In this week's episode, I'm joined by Bill Hendricks, retired VP of technology at Valent USA. This week, our conversation is about accessibility at Comcast, gender neutral awards categories, weight discrimination protection, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, Enjoy uh, being able to attend your podcast. So uh, as you said, I'm Bill Hendricks, he, him pronouns. And I do come from a little bit of a different background from some of your other speakers. I'm trained as an entomologist and I've worked in the ag industry for 34 years now. So as you may know, it's often an area that can be behind the general population as far as accepting of DE&I, uh, unfortunately. So uh, anyhow, I started working in DE&I back when I was uh, at the University of Arkansas working on my master's student and tried to start the first LGBTQ group in 1982 with a lesbian friend of mine. So let's just say the university wasn't very accepting at that particular time uh, and tried to fire me actually. So it really blew up and uh, the whole thing went to the state legislature where they tried to pass a bill called stem the tide of homosexuality. And uh, you know, it just continued to grow and eventually ACLU got involved. And obviously I kind of graduated, uh, after uh, things settled down a little bit. So. Wow. Wow. That yeah. is a heck of a story. The ACLU got involved yeah. and wow. Long time ago. Yeah. And then that's uh, amazing. You know, well, thank yeah. you for being a pioneer, Bill. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, yeah. And uh, after getting my PhD, went on to work for a major ag chemical company um, and they strongly committed to their DNI journey in 2000. Ended up leading the LGBT group there for the ag division and then took over globally for them and ran it for about six years. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting because they had made a lot of changes in the culture in the work site. But what they were finding was people didn't feel comfortable at night when they went home. Mm. Once they left the gates, they had more protection inside the work gates than they did outside. And so they Mm. decided to start getting active in diversity and inclusion in the communities as well, which was I thought was really great and a major breakthrough. And it actually led me to testifying before Congress twice uh, as well on LGBTQ issues in the workplace. So hopefully made some changes. And then, as you mentioned, you know, I worked for Valent, recently retired from them, where I was vice president of technology ran their R&D operations and things like that. But uh, they've contracted me back now uh, to work on their DE&I, a little smaller company, newer on their journey. So um, about uh, four years or so now uh, on the DE&I journey. But I kind of oversee the ERGs or employee resource groups, 
put out a newsletter every month, uh, minute slides, which I love. You can start a meeting uh, with one little slide, takes a second, and, and all sorts of uh, DNI stuff for them that I really enjoy. So it's been a lot of fun. That's great. Testifying before Congress about LGBTQ inclusion, was that uh, pre-Equality Act? Was that the Employment uh, yeah. Non-Discrimination Act? Okay. That was one of them. Actually, I testified in 2008 for the first transgender hearing at the House of Representatives. And uh, I was asked there, uh, it was Dow Chemical. I was asked to talk about why a company like Dow, which was a Midwestern brick and mortar company, uh, would be supportive of transgender rights. Of course, that was easy to talk about in many ways, but also really difficult uh, at that time. I mean, it was uh, the first time they'd had a hearing about that. And so, you know, a lot of people didn't in Congress really didn't understand, I think, uh, what all of that meant at the time. So, Wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you for all you've done and all you continue to do to pave the way, because you know what? Here in the U.S., for folks who aren't aware, here in the U.S., we only recently have federal protections against employment discrimination, thanks to a Supreme Court ruling three years ago. But we do not have federal protections against discrimination in uh, housing and public accommodations. And we've seen a lot of proactive legislation this year and in the past few years, which actually makes it more difficult for LGBTQ people to be safe in the world. Uh, so thank you for all you've done. And uh, for everyone who's out there fighting for equality, we really appreciate this. So, um, Bill, I have a random question for you. You know, right. has anyone ever made an assumption that you're straight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially working in agriculture. I mean, I think that is the given assumption. Uh, my husband and I, my husband and I just celebrated 42 years, by the way. And oh, wow. um, congratulations. He, thanks. Um, but he always jokes, you know, they'll uh, make the assumption I'm straight unless he's in the room with me. And then it's kind of <laughs> a lot more obvious. Uh, but uh, yeah, especially again, because of agriculture and working a lot of areas that maybe they're not used to thinking about somebody being able to be. And it can be kind of awkward, right, to correct someone, oh, yeah. or the person might be kind of embarrassed after they after you correct them, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where, um, as an LGBTQ person, you have to decide every time. You know, is it worth coming out? Is this the right time? You know, uh, and sometimes even your own safety and stuff like that. But yeah, I try and generally make it casual. And mm -hmm. if I can do it with a joke or, or something like that, that makes it even better. But, uh, but a lot of times it's more, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Like they'll say, uh, how, how's your wife or something like that. And I go, no, my husband's doing great. Thanks so much for asking, you know, yeah. and just keep right on going. Don't make a yeah, big deal. Yeah. That's out of the way that. to do it. Exactly. No. Well, the reason I ask that is because last week I was at an event where there was a panel on allyship and at the Q&A portion, someone with a disability spoke up and said, enthusiastic allies, please do not practice benevolent ableism by giving us what you think we need without first asking what it is we actually need, which means mm -hmm. that these benevolent allies making assumptions, right? And I, I've had lots of assumptions made about me in the past and the reality is what we should be doing instead is to ask folks what they need. And, you know, I've spoken at Valent before. You brought me in to speak a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I talk about in my speech is called the ARC method, which is ask, respect, connect. We'll put that in the show notes so you can get a, a handle on what it is. But really, it's about asking from a place of curiosity, not confrontation, respecting what it is you hear, 
and not interrupting, not dismissing, and then connecting to sort of wrap it all up and fulfill the promise. That could mean that you're paraphrasing or validating. But anyway, it's an antidote to these mistaken assumptions. So I just wanted to make sure people had that tool because it is very easy, very practical. And I even have a little song about it, as you know, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> love the song. No, and I love the art method. It is, um, you know, on the one hand, a simple concept, but on the other, really breakthrough because I think a lot of people are afraid of the confrontation, like you were saying before. And this is a very easy way to, to, you know, to engage with somebody and to find out more about them. And I think, like you said, if you come at it from an open and empathetic way, uh, people are very open to that and, and we shouldn't make assumptions. So it's a great way to make sure we don't. Thank you. All right. So let's get into this week's good vibes. The first story this week comes from New York City, which has a new law against height and weight discrimination, providing a significant step in protecting higher weight individuals from workplace bias. It's a unique law in the U.S. Um, it's not just about employment, but also housing and public spaces. Amazing. I think it is such a breakthrough, but, you know, it's, uh, again, on our journey as a country uh, or as a world population, you know, I think it's it's a logical step. It's a great thing to have. Um, not surprising, it's New York, and I saw some of the other cities that are either passing or, or considering it, so some of the more forward-thinking cities, and I think it's great, you know. Um, wherever possible, we should try and accommodate as many people as, as possible. Something that's not related to the core work job at hand shouldn't interfere, you know, in, in the statistics about uh, if you're overweight and how it can um, leave you behind on promotions or pay raises and things like that are, are perfectly pretty startling. So yeah, anything to come up, overcome that is, I think, very helpful. Yes, absolutely. There was a few years ago, the Harvard, uh, whatever the department is at Harvard that studies and administers the implicit association test, discovered that bias against sexual orientation, race and gender, all of that is going down. Bias against age and size are not. So those two seem to be among the final frontiers of, of bias. Mm -hmm. And age, I think you bring up another good one <laughs> in particular, <laughs> although that article didn't directly address that. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely easy to make assumptions. And from the newsletter I'm putting up for the company, we're actually, the article was around Gen Z and sort of boomer, you know, the old mm -hmm. joke about boomers and the assumptions we make. Uh, but, you know, it, it's true. And I think, uh, again, back to your art, uh, we can ask questions, uh, get the information directly from them and, and see how they'd like to be supported in the workplace. Exactly. All right. The second story comes from here in Chicago, where Northwestern University made history as incarcerated students graduated with bachelor's degrees, a first for a top 10 U.S. University. So these students were part of the Northwestern Prison Education Program, which pushed through the COVID epidemic with limited resources. And these students are graduates. Pretty amazing story here. Great partnership. I thought so. And from a, a such a well-respected university like that, too, hopefully mm -hmm. that'll open it up for a lot more. You know, the inequity that exists in our prison systems and a lot of 
things to overcome when you come from a background where you had incarceration, you know, that may show up, you know, as you apply for jobs and, and they do background checks and everything. So what a great way to help overcome some of that, I think, and give them a chance to uh, fully engage in society, which is really, really important. Equity in action, right? Yeah. It's All amazing. right. Third story this week is about sensitive Santas. This holiday season, over 300 malls across the U.S. are hosting Caring Santa and Sensitive Santa events, catering specifically to children with disabilities. So these events provide a sensory-friendly environment where Santa and staff are trained to support these kids outside of regular hours with reduced lighting and music, requiring reservations to minimize crowds. So things that are really giving uh, kids on the autism spectrum in particular a chance to enjoy the Santa experience in a less stimulating environment. And it can be a very stimulating environment otherwise. Well, I, I don't have children, but I've certainly been at the mall this time of the year. And it's such a crazy environment. You know, you hear the kids screaming and um, there's a long line. So I, I love the idea. They make appointments. There's less music, there's less light uh, to reduce all of that stimuli that could be overwhelming. I mean, again, just um, what a great way to think about who you, who you want to attract into your mall or your workplace or whatever, the, you know, and then trying mm -hmm. to see what it is that they need and react to that. And I bet there are a lot of parents who would wish they could make appointments, for instance, uh, to Santa, uh, instead of waiting in that awful line uh, to get their yeah. pictures made. So, but, uh, you know, especially to take some of those other environmental uh, cues and, and react to that and reduce. Exactly. Yeah. It, uh, I think the Santa, the joy of the Santa experience should be accessible to everyone. Every kid that wants it should be able to have that. That's for sure. So. That's right. Okay. The fourth story this week comes from uh, the Soul Train Music Awards, where Janelle Monet, who I happen to absolutely love, yeah. was a winner. And Soul Train transformed their Lady of Soul Award into the Gender Neutral Spirit of Soul Award, recognizing Janelle as a non-binary artist. So it's a slow trend. The Grammys do it, but none of the other major award ceremonies do it. In fact, there were two non-binary actors up who both won Tony Awards this year who were in the male category, the men's category, even though they identify as non-binary. So it's pretty significant that the Soul Train Awards have made this step. Totally agree. You know, um, just shows even industries that you think ought to be more progressive are on their journey. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, back to the Tonys, um, you know, I think their decision was they'd be nominated in the category that their character represented, but in some like it hot, they ended up representing, you know, both male and female. So I don't, I don't even know how they came up with some of the, you know, how they decided. So yeah, in many ways, it's just a, a better way to go right a, a mm -hmm. non-gender specific i loved it the spirit of i think is what they renamed the award and that i think is probably actually closer to what they were trying to uh highlight and to honor anyhow right so it doesn't matter exactly. what the gender was so so much yeah so great progress exactly. finally and by the way let me comment if i could um just the diversity of the articles you put out every week so great 
uh, I really enjoyed reading. And then when I got to this one in particular, because I love going to the plays and and uh, and seeing shows in Broadway, it was really great. <laughs> Talk about a stereotype, but anyhow, that that's me and my <laughs> background. So I really enjoyed uh, reading about that article in particular. But. Thanks, Bill. Okay, the last story this week comes from Comcast, which is breaking barriers in its Philadelphia stores specifically by providing live American Sign Language interpreting services. So this week, uh, so the way this works is that someone who needs American Sign Language services can go into the Philly stores. The reps will utilize ASL video remote interpreting, VRI, to access a live interpreter provided by a partner. So when 3.6% of the population is deaf or hard of hearing, this can be significant. And if my um, memory is correct, because I took some sign language classes, it's the fourth most common language in the U.S. It has its own culture. Um, you know, my thought when I was reading this is, why so long? What yep. a perfect fit for the technology. Why did it take so long? But but kudos, uh, it was their CEO, I think, that came up with the idea of doing this. And, um, you know, back to our discussion about employee resource groups and BRG's business resource group. What a great way for that community, hopefully, to engage that company and give them a competitive edge. That's great. So. Uh, I think idea. that's such a great point, Bill. Yeah. I mean, this is an, an, a fantastic way to leverage a disabilities resource group in towards a business objective, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of creating a win-win where these employees are going to be more engaged. They're going to have a stronger sense of purpose. And of course, it's a better customer experience. Absolutely. And I, I can only imagine if I was of that community and came in and to, to be able to do that and commute in my native language. Uh, that yes. way, I mean, of course, I'm going to have a much better experience. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this week's call to action is a TED Talk, which we'll put in the show notes, on uncovering talent, the power of authenticity. It's a TEDx talk by Kenji Yoshino, who is a professor at NYU School of Law. So we'll share that in the show notes. Bill, you've been an amazing guest. I've really enjoyed hearing about your background and, and uh connecting with you and having your stories resonate with our, our folks. Can you tell people how they can keep in touch with you? Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. And I know in your invite, you had the link there. So love to, uh, to make connections uh, that way. And uh, for sure, but uh, particularly if anybody's in the ag industry and wants to connect, I'm always open, but more generally in DNI as well. So thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to speak today. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a real delight. It, it really has, Bill. I hope that you have a great week and that everyone else has a great week. And if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 